Filtered uncensored. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I hope uh, you all have. Uh, those that are listening obviously uh, got the new time. I hope uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with our statistics. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, tonight we're really uh, fortunate to have Dr. Wong back with us. This is show number 288 for Dr. Ron and Dr. Jerry. So we're moving along. Now we're in prime time and with new microphones and headsets. So with an attitude of gratitude, I welcome you to to the program. An attitude of gratitude not only boosts joy and general life satisfaction, but it's also the single best predictor of good relationships and benefits both sanity and physical health. So ladies and gentlemen, with an attitude of gratitude, I do welcome you. And uh, just a few little notes before we get going here. Uh, Please always choose life. Choose to forgive. What other people think of you is none of your business. And time heals almost everything. So give time time. And however good or bad situation is, it will change. Don't take yourself so seriously. No one else does. And believe in miracles. And God loves you because of who God is, not because of anything you do or do not do. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we have, uh, say, Dr. Wong. He has uh, some thoughts on uh, dietary practices. I'm not going to preempt all his uh, material. But I do want to open the program up and and just reemphasize what we talk about on on a weekly basis, that you have to be the CEO of your own body. You have to take take control. Uh, if you listen to the, the mainstream media, if you read the Wall Street Journal and any of the main presses, they're going to have you uh, believe that we have a flu epidemic. They're going to have you uh, believe that uh, statins are the best thing since apple pie and ice cream. It ain't true. And you know what? You're only going to hear it on shows like this. And on podcast by Dr. Wong, who, again, I think I didn't listen to it today, but he has a new one out, number 339. I don't know the title of it. He'll tell us. But you, you're going to have to educate yourself, ladies and gentlemen, because the big pharmaceutical companies want to have a pill for every ill, and they make up diseases. They have a whole program of how they do that. You know, they, they, they get a symptom. They make it into a disease. They uh, come up with a checklist that your your 
that you can fill out, and then you take it to your doctor, and he, he gives you a pill, a pill for every ill. Overdiagnosis is, is rampant in our, in, our, in our system. Overdiagnosis means overtreatment and morbidity. So these drug companies, as I say, they create uh, an acronym for a disease, dry skin, cholesterolemia, created. They create a symptom quiz or a checklist, and then they provide guidance. How to ask your doctor if you have everything that, that you just checked off. Then he can prescribe a pill. So one of the things we'll talk about next week is how to ask your doctor what he does without his prescription pad. What can he offer you? Because when it comes to medicine, less is more. Less is more, ladies and gentlemen. And just to bring home a point, uh, you know, everybody hears about cardiac stenting, you know, putting these stents in, in, in the coronary arteries. But did, did anybody ever tell you or did you read that on February 12th of 2018, the New York Times had an article that uh, summarized a study done in the British Medical Journal? The study was titled, Heart Stents Are Useless for Most Stable Patients. They're Still Widely Used, unquote. Boy, I read that, and I said, oh, my God, is it true? The article highlights a double-blind placebo-controlled study published January 2018 edition. I'm sorry, no, not the British Medical Journal, The Lancet, an equally prestigious journal, and concluded that percutaneous coronary intervention, or angioplasty as it's called, was no better than a placebo in, in relieving symptoms associated with coronary artery disease. Did you hear about that, ladies and gentlemen? Did you hear that the stenting is not any better than taking medication if you have stable coronary artery disease? I don't think so. That's why I want to bring it to your attention. And lastly, something I talked about last year, and I got my notes out from last year, and here's what I said. A deadly war of disinformation is being waged against every man, woman, and child in the world from Kansas to Kenya holier-than-thou health nuts have fooled reporters, politicians, and honest citizens into eating their poisonous, fat-hating propaganda right out of their tofu-covered hands. But a leading scientist from America's premier heart center is blowing the whistle on one of the greatest scams in medical history, a series of mainstream medicine lies and cover-ups that have been forced down our throats for more than a half a century. And if you haven't... If you uh, happen to be listening to them rather than, than to this show, you may very well have been killing yourself one miserable meal at a time. This scathing piece was published in Open Heart by Dr. James D. Nicolantonio, and he revealed that a 60-year-old study that the very foundation of the mainstream war on fat is flawed and may even be based on lies and outright fraud. Dr. Ansel Keys uses early, get this, 1950s research to proclaim that he found a link between saturated fat and heart disease in seven countries that he analyzed. Ladies and gentlemen, there was a problem. And it's a doozy of a problem. Dr. Keys didn't study seven countries. He studied 22. But two-thirds of those countries didn't fit Dr. Keyes' theory that saturated fat the kind you find in meat, carnivores, was bad for you, and they were coincidentally 
tossed out the window and never included in the study results. Kind of an oversight, you say, right? That could ruin a researcher's reputation for life. But fate was a little kinder to Dr. Keyes. In, fa- in fact, he, fa- he ended up being worshipped by health junkies everywhere. Entire generations of people have been brainwashed into believing they're committing suicide every time they have a delicious hunk of beef. Well, we're going to start again with the deprogramming with Dr. Wong because Dr. D. Nicolantonio points out, as I've been telling my patients when I was in practice and telling the people on this podcast for years, there's not a shred of evidence linking fat to heart disease. In fact, cutting saturated fat and replacing them with carbs and processed sugars, which we would call the typical American diet, could put you on a fast track to an early death, folks. Okay, now you've been Folks have been rallying against meats that are rich in saturated fats for decades. And frankly, I'm running out of nice things to say at their funerals. Let's end this anti-fat war once and for all. It's illogical and based from the start on nothing but lies. So Dr. Ansel Keys got the ear of Dr. Paul Dudley White, who was President Eisenhower's physician. He got the ear of of, uh, Senator George McGovern. And they passed all these laws, and then we had the explosion of saturated fats and carbohydrates and processed foods, trans fatty acids, and which led to heart disease, cancer, obesity, metabolic syndrome, diabetes type 2, and, and autoimmune diseases. So why am I ranting about this? A, because we have a great guest today that can put it in perspective for you. Number two, we've been talking about it and talking about how you have to take control of your own health and life. And we're going to get on with the show. And I want to introduce the co-host right now, because I'm letting them sit out here. Dr. Jerry Smith. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing really great. I'm excited to be on the air at a new time. And uh, I think we're going to blow some circuits tonight with Dr. Wong's presentation. Well, you know, he's sort of uh, a... uh, an introvert and doesn't have many opinions, but we'll, we'll see if we can get him out of his shell. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Doc, yeah, Dr. Wong, I'm a secondhand vegetarian. I eat grass-fed beef. Is that okay? <laughs> you know, as long as a cow's a vegetarian, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dr. Wong is with us. He is uh, a Texas State Naturopathic Medical Association professional member. You know, I could go on and read his uh, bio. It, it is filled with just great stuff. I mean, from the World Sports Medicine Hall of Fame member, classic naturopath. And I'm going to ask him, just as, before we get on to the, to, to, to the diet part of it, to, to explain about a naturopath, because... Uh, I had an email from Doctor, from not Doctor, from Mr. Ralph Moss today, a cancer treat, uh, cancer consultant who wants to talk to naturopaths and wants to be on this program. So let, let's let Doctor Wong describe a little bit about nat, na, a naturopath. He's an athletic trainer. He's been on 500 national and local radio programs, and why he's here, I don't know. He's just a great guy. You know, we're, we're on the bottom of the totem pole in, in, in listeners, I'm sure. Uh, he, he's just been all over. He's well, <clears throat> well written. He, he speaks well. Every, 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 all of his podcasts are done professionally. I do recommend you go uh, either to Facebook uh, for Dr. Wong W O N G or go to um, uh, YouTube and, and listen to some of his podcasts. Uh, 
he has one out that was really infamous and how it what started me uh, getting into him is called fighting the things most likely to kill us fighting the things most likely to kill us very interesting uh, a podcast they put together and I do recommend that so not to take up a lot more time let me introduce the famous the infamous and the friend of this show Dr. William Wong thank you thank you for having me back on board. we have a few people out there <laughs> that was yeah. sort of vegetarian friends right <laughs> thank you for having well, me back on board Oh, it's our pleasure. So, what do, you, what do you think about these vegetarians? You know, the ones that aren't <laughs> virtue signalers, I get along with. The ones who insist on letting you know that they're vegetarians and that they're spiritually superior to you because they're vegetarians, you can just eat my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I, God, I hate virtue signalers of any type, <laughs> especially the freaking social justice warrior virtue signalers. They, you know, for, it's like vegetarianism has become a religion, just like yoga has become a religion, aside from it being part of Hinduism, it's it, 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 its own religion almost. And these guys are wearing vegetarianism on their sleeve as a sign that they're good people. They're concerned about the earth. They want to lower the carbon footprint. If they really were serious about lowering the carbon footprint, they'd kill themselves a little faster and vegetarianism is killing them. But uh, Weston A. A. Price tells us that the life expectancy for vegetarians worldwide is only 56, so we're blessed in that regard. Look, two years longer than the, the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. So, so obviously they're doing something wrong. Uh, what is what 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 benefits do we get if we if we eat meat and dairy? Do we do we do we do we help our health? Uh, is it is it helpful to our health? Let's let's take a look at the first consequence of the Framingham study that you were talking about before, and uh, the lowering of our intake of saturated fat. The first thing that happened. Well, well, let me. Let, let, let me go back a bit. You guys went to med school before 1975. If you remember back to your pathology class, you were told that you would likely never in 20 years of practice see a case of Alzheimer's because there was one patient per every 4 million people. Period. That was it. So, knowing that the brain is 70% bad cholesterol, knowing that all of our neurotransmitters are bad cholesterol, knowing that our nerves are 70% bad cholesterol, what happens when we stop eating the bad cholesterol or the so-called bad cholesterol and we don't feed our brains what it needs to maintain itself? By 1975, that teaching that you would likely never see a case of Alzheimer's in your practice life changed because the Framingham study kicked in in 66. By 1975, we were already seeing an increase in dementia in Alzheimer's specifically. So the first thing that happened is we have major brain wasting because if you take a look at the MRI of an Alzheimer's patient's brain from the medium to the advanced stages, it looks like a baked potato someone left in the oven for too damn long. 
It's shrunken. It's cracked. It's dried. Why? There's no fat in it. Second thing that happened, and this goes along with the, it, it, it was made worse by a bunch of other factors, in, including soy, is that we, we didn't have the wherewithal to make hormones. Animal fat is the number one thing the body loves to make hormones from. I mentioned the Hindus before. The Hindus are mostly vegetarian, but they eat a lot of eggs and they drink an awful heck of a lot of milk, absolutely boiling hot milk. Every morning, every day, they've got lots of foods that, that, where, where milk and eggs are mixed in because they know, number one, they need the high-quality protein to maintain their internal organs and muscle mass. Number two, they need the animal fats, the sterols from the animal fats, specifically the saturated fats, the bad cholesterol, to make their hormones with, and it works. The birth rate in India tells us that it works. But you take a look at the birth rate of vegetarians in general, and it's in the dumpster, which is why they have to be constantly converting people. That's one of the reasons why vegetarians are constantly preaching. They're, they're, they're worse than some of the religionists around, hanging out on street corners, giving out, you know, uh, whatever, pamphlets. These guys are constantly searching for converts because it not only confirms that their conversion to vegetarianism was correct, but also because no one's really born a vegetarian. I will immediately cut off the balls of all the vegetarians who are going to tell me about our teeth, about the length of our digestive system, about this and that and the other, by making one physiologic anatomical statement. The human appendix hasn't worked in four and a half million years. The human appendix is what makes cellulase. All true vegetarian species make cellulase because that enzyme digests the cell walls of plants so that the nutrients can be recovered. And yes, we can boil our food, we can mash our food, we can cuisine out our, our food, but if we were true vegetarian species, we'd just be able to eat it raw and get it all, which we can't do because our appendix, again, hasn't worked to make cellulase in four and a half million years. Real simple. All the arguments that humans are supposed to be vegetarian stop dead right there. I'll give you guys time to recover. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to my testicles back. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and you know, and and, and these, these vegetarians, I mean, and you know, they have a reason. There's a reason why they 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 do preach, and they're they're all they're also depressed. I mean, they have no B12. Oh God, yeah. They have they they're they're lacking all the essential nutrients. They are depressed people in general. Yes. Well, well, Dr. Ron, you know what's really interesting? The conversion of certain nutrients uh, is much higher from a vegetable source than from an animal source. You know, perfect example is uh, the carotenoids, the uh, beta carotene for A. It, it takes sometimes. 28 parts of the vegetable source to equal one part of retinol. So you're saying you, you get uh, more, you need more, more vegetables nutrients. from meat, absolutely, in a concentrated form. 
Yeah, and you know, here we get into the depression thing again. Think about the two most important amino acids for uh, the two major brain transmitters. You got tyrosine on one side, which creates epinephrine, which creates phenylethylamine, which is the hormone we have when we're in love. And it creates <laughs> dopamine, which connects the brain to the body, prevents Parkinson's, but also makes you horny as hell. Dopamine is a, is a hormone of lust. I love lust. And then on the yeah. other side, we have tryptophan, which is the hormone that eventually creates serotonin, which is a nice, sleepy, I love you, yes, everything's right with the world, antidepressant hormone. Okay, think of the two major sources of each of those. Yes, you can get them from veggies, but you have to eat an awful freaking hell of a lot of veggies, like bushels full, to get it. What happens when you eat turkey? What happens after Thanksgiving supper? Everybody knows. You go off, you, you sit on the sofa, you fall asleep for 20 minutes. Because of the tryptophan in the turkey. I thought when it was you... a Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that too. <laughs> now, with, for, for the tyrosine, all of the dairy sources of tyrosine also are dairy sources or major sources of tryptophan. So we can get both the tyrosine and the tryptophan out of a glass of milk, out of cheese, out of whatever. One of the studies that was just published last week showed that, that the dairy eaters have 40-some-odd less percent chance of dying younger than the non-dairy eaters. And, you know, uh, the, uh, another study showed uh, that the, the, the major depressive diseases <laughs> were all the diseases yeah. of vegetarians. Primarily, my contention is, because they're not getting the B-complex vitamins, but they're also not getting high-level sources of tryptophan and tyrosine. Excellent. And, and, you know, one, one amino acid that is not mentioned and it's hard for vegetarians to get is taurine, T-A-U-R-I-N-E. That, uh, mm-hmm. that, if you don't have adequate amounts of taurine, you're, you're, uh, you're going to have cardiovascular disease. Your nervous system is going to pay the price. Uh, your immune system is going to pay the price. And uh, because it's, you know, it's an amino acid you don't hear a lot about, but it has all around benefits for your health. Exactly. Yes. Well, another major one is methionine. Uh, when I was working with uh, mercury removal, I found that the vegetarians were the worst because they didn't get enough methionine in their diet from animal sources to chelate the mercury when we're cutting it out. Hmm. And and like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Jerry, we, you know, it's hard for vegetarians to get good healthy fats. Uh, it's the coconut oil, the what, the avocados—they, they're—they're uh, they're not getting enough uh, saturated, healthy fat and cholesterols. Uh, so they—they—they they, they, uh, many they have their their fat sources. Are what? I, I guess they—I don't know where they get their fat sources. Eggs? <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, but which would you rather have, an avocado soy, or a prime rib? Yeah, I mean, if they get it from soy, I I think they probably that that's why they they have problems with their identity because they have too much soy, too much estrogen. I you know. Uh, a, now, according to the Hawaiian Men's Health Survey, which started in '73 and is still ongoing, it started with 9,000 Hawaiian men of Japanese extraction. Uh, it's uh, I think the remaining guys in the study are in their 80s, 90s now. All of the soy eaters died early. They all died in their 60s, early 70s, and they had shrunken brains. 
the non-soy eaters were had, had had higher cognition, lived past their 60s, showed no signs of dementia. So we tend to think of soy as a good source of, of, of lecithin, which has choline in it, which we think will become acetylcholine, but no. The soy eaters actually shrink their brains, and the reason, I think, is because of the high estrogen level, because we know that estrogen causes inflammation and fibrosis, and inflammation and fibrosis leads to the shrinking and diminution in the size and function of the internal organs. And, and, and a lot of the, the soy and the grain, they have what has been described as anti-nutrients in one form or another. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it gets, gets us back to it's not only what you eat, it's what you absorb. And if you're not absorbing the little bit you're getting, you're even sicker. Exactly. If the soy is killing off your thyroid, if the soy, if, if the fight in, in the soy is keeping you from absorbing minerals, it's an anti-nutrient. It's a, it, you know, it, it's a wonderful thing to feed your enemies. Now, here, I'm going to be, I, I am going to be, um, uh, 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 Oh, what is the, uh, not, not ra- ra- radically, not, uh, um, w- whatever. I'm going to be very I Chinese can't. right, right now. Yep. The Japanese killed 20 million Chinese. In Northern Manchuria, they killed a good many of them via experimentation with biological warfare. The Japanese birth rate, being that the major protein source in Japan is now tofu and soy, the Japanese birth rate is such that in a hundred years, there won't be any Japanese. That makes me very happy. <laughs> They're going to commit suicide as their karma for having killed so many Chinese. But you know, I, I, I'll stop being militantly Chinese now. What what we see with the soy eaters is that they do have shrunken brains. They do have feminization. The guys do have, uh, and the gals do have slower, sluggish thyroids. The guys don't have anywhere near the testosterone level that they, that they should have. We see this with all the kids who were fed soy formula. Now, one thing about the soy formula, you will find a high and positive correlation between babies who have been fed soy formula since soy formula came out in 1973 and childhood diabetes. The correlation mm. is there. Medicine wants to ignore it. The correlation is there, and it's screaming. Why should a little itty-bitty infant create so much inflammation in their pancreas that they become diabetic? Why should a little tiny itty-bitty infant get his thyroid killed off so that he doesn't grow and on top of that develop thyroid cancer? So the bottom line is that's why these kids are smaller and they have more learning difficulties. Yes, exactly. We're, That's right. We're, we're talking about we're creating generations of dumbed-down kids. Yeah. Yep. You, you you throw in the the the, the uh, halogens, the fluorine, the chlorine, and uh, there 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 goes your IQ. Bingo. So yeah. basically, when they start the vegetarian diet, you know, three years later is when the shit hits the fan. You know, with the anemia, the weakness, the loss of weight, back pain, yes. tingling in the extremities. Gum disease, mental confusion, sore tongues, but they're but they're vegetarians. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. <laughs> I'm healthier than you. It's good to have your they gums look like bleed, that, right? That crawled out of Auschwitz. 
It's called dental <laughs> cycle, like menstrual cycle. You're bleeding gums. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're sick. They just don't know it. Yeah. The sickness starts in their head. Yeah. There was a an acronym. There was a the four C's that I we talked about a few weeks ago uh, that uh, vegetarian diets do not contain. That was creatine, choline that you already mentioned, carnitine, and carnosine. Uh, just absent from vegetarian diets, and uh, they're really important uh, because they they only can get them from red meat and wild fish. Yeah, and how about uh, so, the DHA and the EPA? Yeah, that's two critical fats. Oh, but the, but the diet for a small planet said that all I have to do is combine beans and grains, and I'll have everything <laughs> I need for a healthy, strong life. Now, mind you, that whole book was meant to take people off the planet. <laughs> Vegetarianism is a you know is a population control method, folks. I can't put it any plainer than that. <laughs> You're a conspiracy wow. theorist. <laughs> oh, I am. Yeah. Well, here, here we go. They want us be all like to have little tiny carbon footprints, like like the Okinawans. Now, you know, I respect Okinawans. They're really cool folks, but I don't want to be like an Okinawan. If you take a look at most of the Japanese, the Japanese have a common uh, uh, syndrome that's that's like like a, a pinch nerve syndrome. It, it, it's it's a cervical um, neuropathy and it's I, I think 60% of the population suffers from it because their heads are huge the Japanese are amongst the smartest people in the world their brains usually measure between if I remember correctly 34 to 36 ounces about the same size as the northern Chinese brain hmm. so they're, they're, that's why they're so damn smart because they, they have a lot of computing area right but their bodies are so small almost like, like, like the image of, of the of the alien grays we see with the big heads and the little tiny bodies. So you've got 30 pounds of skull and brains on top of seven tiny itty bitty cervicals pressing down, getting arthritic by the time they're 27. And then they have all the, uh, all the uh, uh, reticulopathy, all the radiating nerve pain coming down their neck, shoulders and into their hands because they don't eat enough to build the rest of their bodies so the body shunts all the available calcium up into their skulls to feed the brain and protect the brain and encase the brain at the, at, at, at the cost of letting the rest of the body suffer. Wow. Well, so, so the, the bottom line is uh, they, vegans and vegetarians, they, they just don't get the, the nutrients they need to be healthy. Right? And uh, it, it's like you said, it's more of a religion that, and it's not definitely not a diet because it's not healthy. I think you and I talked about, uh, uh, Dr. Budwig with her flaxseed and cottage cheese. People did well initially, but they don't do good long term. And I, I think we're, we, we're saying the same thing about vegetarians. Yeah. It's, it, right? it, it, you know, Budwig's treatment is the hair of the dog that bit you. It's estrogen that causes prostate cancer. So you're flooding yourself with more estrogen, and that'll work for some. It won't work for most, but, you know, again, I go back to the study from uh, University of Illinois uh, Med School in Chicago where they injected prostate cancer patients with testosterone directly into the tumor, and the damn thing shrunk. Yeah, yeah. That was one hell of a surprise to them. 
Yeah, absolutely. But you know, there's another there's another field right there that uh, the, the the urologist and the medical profession has their head in the, in the sand. Uh, still uh, giving giving these these men with the prostate all this estrogen, and blaming everything on testosterone when the literature shows otherwise. But they they just can't get themselves to get get their head out of the sand and and, and so, believe the literature. How many guys are going to sabotage your own practice? How many guys are going to cut back on their office visits? Come on, you, we we yeah. all we've all we've all been there. Office visits are what we live off of. We don't get the office visits. We go drive a taxi somewhere, you know, and, and yeah. after, after all the years of school and after all the years of whatever, falling into the system gets very, very comfortable and maintaining, you know, paying your bills gets very comfortable. Being able to, to, to put your daughter you know, through, through, through school to get her new braces, pay for your horse and your new Mercedes, to pay for your new golf clubs, it all gets very comfortable to fall into the system. No one wants to cut back on their office visits, which is what would happen. We'd actually cure people by God, you know, if, if, if we didn't string them along and string out the therapies and give them something contrary to what they actually need. Yeah. Well, I understand that. I understand the follow the money, uh, behavior of, of, of my peers. And, uh, the sad part is, is they, they, they learned this in medical school. I, I, I talked about 78% of the board of directors uh, in medical schools now are uh, from, the, from the big pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. And most frequently referred to, uh, it's not even a book, it's mostly for, to, to look up differential diagnosis is Google. So the, the, the youngsters, and I'm going to call them youngsters because uh, I, I, can, I can do that now. They, they don't know how to critically think about a problem. They see a problem, and then they look for the drug to treat that problem. And a lot of the problems are made up. They're not even real diseases. They're, exactly. they're symptoms that are made into a disease. The well, major... the other, yeah, the other problem is how can you make a, a diagnosis when you give the patient three minutes in the office? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I, I remember back when I was a kid, when the doc actually sat down with you for a while and took your case history. And it, it just, just, just like you're taught in first semester of school, if you listen to the patient, the patient will tell you what's wrong. The case history will tell you what's wrong. Absolutely. You know, but, but you know, I, I, I gave the medical school uh, seniors a, a, a talk to a few years ago uh, why they chose me. I don't know. But I said medicine is is at the point now where the patient comes in the office and at the second visit you say, all your tests are normal. I better examine you. Something's got to be wrong. Yeah. And 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 to explain to these youngsters about normal tests and how they uh, how they were arrived at and how they are not optimal is just it, it's a duct tape moment. You want to just yeah. wrap your head around uh, with duct tape because they just don't get the idea. They they well, that's they, what, they they don't know. Well, the other interesting thing there was a uh, an evaluation of 2,400 autopsy reports, and in 67 percent. The right diagnosis was made by the history, the doc's history, just like you said, Dr. Wong. 9% accuracy on diagnosis was from the blood tests. 
<laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Most you know, docs next, don't remember their physiology. That has no, been my they, major complaint about the docs that I've dealt with, the docs, the, the medical students that I have taught, and everyone else is they don't remember their physiology. So you can lead them down the primrose path and tell them that X and X and X is good for Y and Z and whatever else because they don't remember that it isn't. You can tell them that you can cut out cholesterol, and they don't remember that the brain is 70% saturated fat. So since they don't remember their physiology, you can tell them anything you want to, and they'll freaking believe it. Well, when you give them the statin drugs, <clears throat> it shrinks their brain even faster along with the tofu. <laughs> we could shrink wow. that ball. It does, it does that too, so you you got that covered. <laughs> I'm over. I'm over sad that I threw my guiding away when I moved to Florida. But uh, that was a great. I've got book. two and, copies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I made a list here that I was going to use next week. But it, but since we hit on it, the doctors today lack time. They're insufficiently trained. There's financial incentives offered to them. There's uncoordination of care, and there's a lot of vested interests. That's what's driving overdiagnosis diagnosing and what we call medicalizing ordinary life. Yes. They medicalize it. And it, it, it's all, it's the, it's for those, those reasons, I think. Well, you know, the scary thing too, is you get analysis paralysis. The patients come in and they got, you know, 20 different tests, but no one knows what the hell they mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's one guy here in Florida. He says, uh, uh, if you're not sick, you just haven't had enough tests yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mayo's admitted back in the mid-90s that 40%, 40% of their blood tests were wrong. Hell, if Mayo's gets 40% wrong, what the rest of the freaking people doing? Yeah. You know, that's something else. They don't want to accept it. There's a plus or minus 20% error on some of these tests. So, you know... Mm-hmm. You know you know, just please get it, ladies and gentlemen. If it, if it's really out of uh, out of out of the the so-called normal range, and, and you're not having any symptoms, ask your doctor to repeat it. Please, you have to have a physician you can talk to, a physician that will uh, not take his prescription pad out the first thing uh, the time you walk in the office. But that's really important. You have to have these conversations with your physician. He has to take a little bit more time. Well, Doctor Ron, you know, even if the blood test shows something. That's not the reason for the problem. I mean, a perfect example, uh, my patient was in uh, last week who I saw eight years ago. He had a swollen liver for 27 years, and they wanted to do a liver transplant. And he, he refused. So anyway, he came for a second opinion. The bottom line is he had benzene and, hep- and hepatitis B in his liver that was never diagnosed for 27 years. Wow. So his alkaline phosphatase was elevated, <clears throat> but that doesn't tell you what's wrong. In seven months of pulling out those two factors, the benzene and the uh, hepatitis B, his alkaline phosphatase went back to normal. So mm. the blood tests don't really tell you what's wrong with the patient. It just says something's out of whack. Exactly, exactly. It should. It shouldn't. It's part of a bigger picture. Well, right. you know, in in school these days. The med students are taught that if you want to pass your state boards, you pick the most invasive answer. 
<laughs> and then yeah. they, tran- they, they transfer that to, to their regular practice. You have a hangnail, amputate the finger, you know? Well, yeah. there's a code for that. That's why it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, we're laughing, ladies and gentlemen, we're laughing at this, but this is really true. A lot of times you don't get treated because the business office can't figure out a code to put down on your insurance form so they can get paid. So it sounds funny, but it's, 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 Absolutely true, absolutely true, and and we're not told the truth about a lot of things. Uh, again, you're you're I, I have lots of material I want to bring up in the following weeks, but uh, you know this robotic surgery. Now we were talking about prostate, and you know when you talk about prostate, you talk about Da Vinci robots. You know, a hundred and seventy-five. If you if you I, I was going to if your car was recalled a hundred seventy-five times, how would you feel about driving it? <laughs> that's, good, right? Right. that's how many that's how many times a da vinci surgical robot has been recalled 175 times <laughs> Gee, you want to take now, that, uh, that imagine that, what happened to the poor life? guys that it was working on <laughs> yeah all right well they had their yeah. prostates bronze and it's up on the mantle now <laughs> <laughs> well even the surgeons that use it say they're not being adequately trained so with 20 thousand adverse events connected to da vinci that's only the ones that were filed so again we go back to options and to 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 be educated and to listen to dr wong and listen to dr ron and jerry here on on our show you have to be educated be able to ask a question okay because there's a lot of nightmare scenarios out there and don't think that the uh FDA is out there doing anything good for you. Uh, you know they are supposed to inspect the drug plants. There's an article today in Med- Med- Medscape. They're supposed to uh, inspect drug uh, pharmacy, ph- uh, drug manufacturing every two years. They're lucky if they get around to it every five years. And the whistleblower in this article said, you know, the the, the company knows when they're coming. They get everything ready, and after the inspectors leave, it's go back to normal. And that's and it's it's just crazy. I mean, you just uh, drugs uh, are not the fir- not the first line of, of uh, uh, treatment anymore. You have to be careful. There, you don't know where they come from. A lot of them come from uh, India, from China, that have arsenic in them, pieces of metal in them. And you just don't know. There was a stool softener, Zulkovax. We used to have a <laughs> saying, Doctor Wong, take a take a Zulkovax and a PM for a, a BM and the AM. But anyway, <laughs> it had nitrosamine and that all kind of similar carcinogens in it. The same stuff they found in the, that blood pressure pill, Pelzarzin. Okay, kids were dying. I mean, I, I mean, it's, 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 you know, we laugh about it, but children are dying, and that's the sad part. Uh, a one-year-old is, uh, was the uh, instigator for this article uh, on January seventh, twenty nineteen. Alicia Moreno, okay, one year old, died because she was given this Dokalax made in India because it was contaminated by all kinds of bacteria. So uh, they could call that a probiotic, and it'll be a good advertising gimmick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. So what's the bottom line, Dr. Wong? Don't be a vegetarian, right? 
Don't be vegetarian. Everything they tell you not to eat is what you should eat. And the types of exercise that they suggest that you do, do something else. Okay. So do you, do you want to tell us that, that, uh, that are vegetarians like, uh, like long-distance runners? Are, they, are, the, are, are these marathoners, are they uh, the same mindset? Is it a religion for them also? Yes. Uh, actually, I refuse to work with, with endurance athletes. Did it for a number of years, uh, but when I when I started doing private uh, coaching and, and uh, private sports medicine stuff, they are manic impulsives, and their their their, their mindset is, is 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 so self focused. The world exists so that they can excel, and they can carry on with their manic compulsions. It's almost as bad as the bodybuilders who want kissably beautiful biceps and stand in the mirror actually kissing themselves and shit, you know, <laughs> you know taking themselves out for, for dates. Table for one, you know. Uh, a, we, have, we have either extreme of, 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 of the spectrum there, but the, the cyclists, the marathoners, the worst ones, the absolute worst ones are the triathloners. Those guys actually, you know, the marathoners and the triathloners have a history. Let me... Let me go back and tell you about the 1999 New York Marathon. Four runners died from the combination of uh, dehydration and ibuprofen. I think four to six runners wound up in the hospital with intestinal ischemia so bad that parts of their bowels had to be removed. Uh, Let's see. Uh, the first person to ever win the Ironman in Hawaii suffered brain damage and is still dysfunctional. Wow. We, we see all these ischemic episodes happen with, with all these endurance athletes, and yet they insist on doing it just, just like some guys won't step on a crack in the sidewalk because they're manic compulsives. They're, they're absolutely nuts. I had a, 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 a client in New York who was uh, one of the major junk bond dealers. And he was a, a, a raging manic compulsive, had to do everything the same, the, same, the same thing the same way, every day, all the time. And when he went to prison for junk bonds, when, when I think E.F. Hutton fell, I wondered how he, he was going to manage his manic compulsiveness in prison, in club fed. Uh, you know, the, the, the <laughs> dealing with these people drives you crazy because... Just like with a bad woman, you can never get anything absolutely right, and they're perfectionists. Everything has to be absolutely right their way, and no one else can do it. And, and it, 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 So I used to throw those guys out of my office. Wow. Well, yeah, at, uh, at least in, in prison, you can keep your toilet paper wherever you want it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, these guys also, they get atrial fibrillation at a, at a much higher rate than, than the normal population. They give a lot of uh, inflammation of their heart. Uh, they get pericarditis. Uh, yeah. We had at, at Hahnemann, which is now Drexel, where I train, we had Dr. Willie Will, Oaks, uh, chief of medicine, uh, pericarditis from marathon running, and, uh, you know, had a hard time giving it up. I mean, these, these people do get really sick. And yep. I think it all goes back to when I was in Texas, uh, when I met uh, uh, 
the uh, the guru of aerobics, Dr. Kenneth Cooper. And yeah. I think it all. I think he started that thing. He 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 jumped on the bandwagon actually, uh, and and he wasn't that far from the very beginning. But there, there was a doctor before him named Sheehan, and and Sheehan inspired Cooper. Sheehan oh, okay. dropped dead in the middle of a run in 1999. Wow. Uh, he 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 dropped dead a few months after Jim fixed it. Now, I, you know, it's not a good thing to be happy when someone plots is dead, but when Jim Fix died. I wrote to all the athletes that I knew, and I said, Schwarzenegger lives! Jim fixed his head. <laughs> <laughs> the, chemi- the chemistry man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, 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 again, we have the two extremes. But, yes, there was a string of four major deaths of major aerobic figures in 1999, along with all the deaths that people started hearing about. Because this... This was usually kept very, very quiet. You know, Advil did a special ad in 1999 for, for the New York Marathon. They were everywhere. They sponsored everything. They were giving out Advil like candy at the start line. And when four guys died from Advil, all of a sudden, oh, shit, they couldn't hide it. Huh. So the, 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 the 99 marked the year when even Cooper began to th- rethink. And now Cooper says that anything over three miles three times a week is done for reasons other than fitness. Like, you're freaking crazy. <laughs> or except that yeah, you're I running mean... from the cops. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's interval well, work yeah. then, though. It isn't, it, it isn't a straight run. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we say here, Dr. Wong, get your meat off the seat. Do it frequently. It, it's cumulative. If you can only do 20 minutes at a time, two or three times a day or so forth, it doesn't have to be a long, uh, arduous, uh, hurtful, painful uh, exercise. Just get your meat off the seat. And since, uh, you know, I, you know that my daughter is the powerlifting champion of uh, yes. uh, EU. And since she got into it and I see how healthy she got and I see how healthy other people got, I, 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 I'm really good in getting back into believing that, uh, strength training, anaerobic training is really critical uh, to staying healthy. And to bring that point home, uh, there's just been some recent articles about uh, orchestra conductors and they, how they use their upper body so much and how they really have a, a good history of, of longevity. So uh, I, I'm, I'm re- revisiting that with my own, pro- my own workout uh, status. Well, if you could get paid for just moving your arms, you would go there too. Right. But uh, yeah, arm exercises are really, really critical. All right, exercising your arms and all the big muscles. That's why they 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 have some big muscles. And uh, Dr. Wong knows more about that than I do. But uh, can you want to make any any comments about uh, uh, strength training, anaerobic training? Yeah, you know, there have been recent studies to show that. The guys who do strength training, it doesn't matter what type of strength training, just plain old strength training, whether it's endurance training with high reps or pure strength training as your daughter does with the powerlifting with low reps, high weight. Strength, train, strength trained people live longer and in general are healthier than all the aerobics freaks, than all the marathoners and the cyclists and the whatever else because they suffer from, as you said, 
cardiac and vascular disease because they give themselves cardiac and vascular inflammation from over, overdoing. The cyclists ruin their joints. There isn't, a, you know, I, I took care of four guys in the New York Marathon, four of the major guys in the New York Marathon back in the late 70s. One of those guys got toxoplasmosis from his cat. Uh, he, he, he can't run around the block now, much less run 26 miles. Uh, another guy's in a wheelchair. I think two of them are dead. But, you know, the, the not healthy outcomes, whereas most of the lifters that I have counseled over the years are still alive and still lifting and fairly healthy. Oh. You know, I, I, I see someone on the, on the board. I just want to ask him a question about his half marathon. Is, is this a heart of gold? Yes. How, can you tell Dr. Wong about uh, your half marathon, how you, you just breezed through that? Well, I didn't breeze through it. I, I wasn't <laughs> in that good of shape. Uh, but I could run the half marathon in, you know, 10, 11-minute miles. Um, uh, and I did that for a number of years, but finally got off of it. It was just uh, uh, too grinding, and it, uh, uh, it, it wears you out. Yeah, this gentleman he re- he realized that his body was wearing out when he was doing these marathons and uh, these half marathons and running all the time. Uh, in fact, I, I do know this gentleman, and we we went up to uh, Maine to do some uh, deer hunting. And stupid us, we even took our, our our shoes with us and ran along the, sh- the the roads up there before we went out hunting. And you know, we we looked we must have really looked crazy to the to the people that lived up there. They didn't do any of that stuff. But uh, he he continued on much longer than I did. I got to give him credit. But I know one time he came to the office. He could just about move, but uh, he, he kept running. Well, uh, so so the, uh, what, a, a good combination of walking, exercise, uh, some some lifting. Doctor Wong, what, for the average person, you know, most of the, the the best thing for your heart is interval work. If you think about what what uh, kills troops that are very, fairly well conditioned? What kills cops when they're when they're when they're chasing bad guys, whatever? It's the sudden shock of having to start and then going for a short, very intense term. The it seems that when when the studies were finally done after all the marathoners started plotting. The, the the studies conclusively showed that the, the people, the, both the cyclists and the runners, who did interval work, so the sprinters and the sprint cyclists were healthier, had stronger hearts, better cardiovascular conditioning, could take cardiac shock more than the guys who just got on the road and ran for 26 miles. Okay. If we incorporate that into our training doctrine – then we work for a few sessions of some very short-term cardiovascular work and then throw in some strength work. And to make the strength work easy and to minimize it, use Dr. Philip Rash's principle that 70% of the upper body muscles pull, 70% of the lower body muscles push. So if you use find the major pulling exercise and the major pushing exercise and then add lower back and abs, you've got it all. Mm. And 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 
as far as technique, it, it, you subscribe to a slower concentric uh, or a fast concentric and slow eccentric movement to, to weights, or does that matter? I have, I have tried everything from the super slow Nautilus 10 counts to okay. failure to Olympic lifting. Olympic lifting is how I started my lifting life back when I was 12 or 14, 12, no, 12. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing slow about Olympic lifting. Uh, powerlifting is slow and steady. So we have all the different techniques. What it turns out is that if you're proper, if you're in the proper biomechanical position, speed doesn't matter. It's people who are out of proper biomechanical position for whatever lift they're trying to do Regardless of whether they're moving fast or moving slow, they're going to hurt something. Very simple. Okay, so form form matters. Yes, exactly. Okay, so good form, uh, even if they're, they're LA Fitness. I know there were some uh, discussions about that Mr. Jones's Nautilus equipment in the past, but I guess that's better than doing nothing. Or would you or would you recommend free weights? You know, it depends. We, there are as many people to find their niche in, in exercise as there are exercise niches to fill. Uh, actually, I kind of said that in reverse, but you get my meaning. Yep. Not, everyone, not everyone does karate. Some folks like judo. So some folks like punch kick, and some folks like throwing and grappling. And usually the punch kick guys hate to grapple, and the grapplers hate to punch kick. Okay. But not everyone wants to drive a, a, a pickup truck. Some guys like Ferraris, okay? Uh, some guys like Volvos over Mercedes. We pick and choose our exercise forms with some doctrine, you know, with some physiological principles. But we make the exercise form fit us and our abilities at that particular moment in time. Uh, I used to try to fit people into what I thought was an ideal training method. Stopped doing that in my mid-30s because I realized there ain't no ideal training method and that we need to custom blend. Uh, In physical education, it's actually called specificity. We need to be specific about how we train the person in order to achieve whatever goals they have. Okay, and whatever so, their likes and dislikes are in terms of exercise. Right, just one, one, last, one last point. When, it, when it, say someone's listened to this program today and they say, you know what, that makes sense to me. I want to start training. They go to their local gym. Uh, maybe they have some experience. Maybe they don't. But would you recommend a trainer to start out with? Oh, God. You're going you're gonna to get me in trouble now with every personal <laughs> trainer around, in, including – couple I'm related to. <laughs> uh, my suggestion is that people look for folks with at least a minimum bachelor's degree in physical education, biomechanics, or sports science, exercise physiology. A master's degree is better. There are, that I know of, at least four different organizations out there certifying personal trainers. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them aren't worth toilet paper. Okay. Uh, and so you, you've got to really kind of 
be wise and pick and choose. Also bear in mind that just because the guy looks good doesn't mean he knows what the frick he's doing. Gotcha. gotcha. All right. That's, that's good. Dr. Wong. Good yeah. yeah, Dr. Wong, do you have any opinion with this uh, exercise with oxygen training? Oh, gosh. Those are really nifty. I've, 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 I've seen a bunch of the research on that. Hell, I was in on the early research on that. And both the oxygen deprivation and the oxygen addition the therapy. And when you exercise with, with oxygen, it's almost as good as an IV ozone treatment. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a wow. And, 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 then, would you, and then this the buteco breathing, are you familiar with that? No. Uh, well, he's, he's, uh, the Russian uh, who... Uh, you know, want you to uh, actually learn how to tolerate uh, more carbon dioxide in in your system than we normally says we breathe too heavy and we get rid of too much carbon dioxide. And if you can retain some and go on his program, you build up nitric oxide, which is good for your vascular and for your wongly dingy there. So uh, cool. That's that's almost like the, the, the mountain training then. Uh, We used to, for the, um, what for the what uh, Mexico City Olympics? Mexico City, oh, yeah. if I remember right, is like six seven thousand feet up. Uh, the kids were were, were were training using things that blocked their oxygen when they breathed in, so that their 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 O2 level was lower to get them used to training. And that's that's also why they 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 they, they built the U.S. Olympic Training Center in in uh, in Colorado. Because it's it's about six thousand feet up, and they're basically getting oxygen dep- deprivation training there as well. Right, that's that's, that's interesting. So so oxygen, Jerry, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get your oxygen tank and take it home. Well, I have a uh, concentrator upstairs, and when I do my uh, my uh, stationary bike, I actually put it up to like ninety five percent oxygen, and they have no pain afterwards. It's wonderful. I should try it when I sit. Date my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> hook, it, hook it up to your CPAP. <laughs> they call it sexercise, right? Oxygen with sexercise. <laughs> that, that'll be cool. <laughs> so we'll get that on YouTube. You'll get a few thousand hits. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Wong, uh, thank you. It's, uh, it's really been interesting. And uh, I, I think uh, we've made the point today, and you made your point. Uh, and uh, I would like you just to tell our listeners how they can uh, reach out to you, how they can buy your product, how they can go to your great – you have a great website that's full of information. Every time I go there, I learn something. I read a new uh, article that you have written. So maybe if you could just uh, blow your own horn here. Tell, tell sure, us. thank you. Thank you. My articles were on drwong.us. That website, that entire server farm seems to have gone under. Someone must have sunk Connecticut under the ocean because the server farm is gone. Uh, And so my wife is having to rebuild the information website from scratch. Luckily, she's got the templates that that she used. Those, Those articles have been up there since about 99. We revamped it once, I think, in 06 or 07. So... It's due a major revamp, and uh, the the address will still be drwong.us, as in United States. The the uh, 
radio website is drwongradio.com. That's also going to need to be rebuilt. And the uh, enzymescience.com website was also part of that. So we have to rebuild that. But there are about 168, close to 200, peer-reviewed and uh, journal-published studies on the, the uh, therapeutic use of systemic proteolytic enzymes on the enzymescience.com website. At, at, at present, you could go to the Dr. William Wong's Essentials of Life and Wellness on YouTube, and all of my podcasts from the summer of 2016 till the present are on there. Or you could go to my, my Facebook page. I, whenever I, I do a, a podcast, I always pu- publish them on there. And for those folks who want to take a look at the supplements we offer, you can go to drwongsessentials.com. Anyone who wants to communicate with me, ask Dr. Wong at drwongsessentials.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, you will get a howdy. And I love it when he says it. <laughs> Go ahead, Jerry. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to give you a plug. <clears throat> I just had one of my patients in who had severe, severe rheumatoid arthritis. It, it only took me 10 years to, for him to come in for me to evaluate him. But I put him on the Zymescence. And three months later, the guy's like, is is like reborn. He, he can't believe how good he feels. And, and you know, the rheumatologist had him on all kinds of exotic drugs for 10 years. Right. Uh, and yes. I try to convince him that that's not the way to go. But uh, it, it's incredible. Thank you, thank you. You know, the, the Germans did some really definitive studies with all manner of autoimmune conditions and systemic enzymes. And the enzymes always lower the severity of the condition, increase the periods of remission, decrease the periods of, of acuity in, 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 in both severity and duration. So the enzymes are just nifty for anyone with an autoimmune condition. Well, thank wow. you for uh, going the extra mile to make one of the best products that are out on the market. Oh, it's unbelievable. You're very welcome. When I was in Germany, I made myself a promise. I was, I was, uh, I was studying the therapeutic application of, of enzymes with, with the folks at Lucas Pharma. So I asked Dr. Ronsberger, hey, Dr. Ronsberger, can we make this particular product, which I won't name, uh, stronger? And, you know, this guy was my patron. He, he, he's a patron saint of systemic enzymes. I can't say anything bad ab- about him. The research he did was so pioneering, so advanced. This guy, it, to him, enzymes were a gospel. That's, that's why we liked each other, because enzymes to me are a religion. Dr. Ronsberger looked at me and he goes, yeah, but Zenvi wouldn't sell as many pills. <laughs> so I made myself a promise then that when I got around to being able to, to create my own systemic enzyme blend, it would be, number one, affordable. Number two, it would have the highest potency. It would be the highest potency, most kick-ass systemic enzyme on the planet. And I succeeded, thankfully, in both uh, I, uh, I actually had help. The, 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 the fellow who helped me develop the Zymescence used to be the head pharmacologist at Mucos Pharma back in 1959 when they first came out with their product. So he was very familiar with that. And then he was building Dr. Kelly's enzymes. And 
you know, good good Texas boy, went to pharmacology school at MIT, and he helped me put together the Zymescence, and it's just been history from there. Oh, I, I can also attest. It's a great, great product. Uh, we, we use it here at home. We, we recommend it to our friends, and uh, easy to take. It looks like a big capsule, ladies and gentlemen, but it's easy to take, and uh, yeah, yeah, the results are incredible. <clears throat> if you don't like the capsule, open it up, put the powder on applesauce, and eat it. The enteric coating isn't in the capsule, it's in the powder. Could I use it with my pets? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I, I feed three of my dogs, I message every day. Okay. All right. And, you know, Dr. Wong, it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, my wife and I are getting ready for another move, and I came across today a, um, a cassette player, a cassette tape, and it's titled Dr. Nieper, October of 1991. That's when I was over Germany uh, studying mm-hmm. with him, so... I can't wait to listen to that so I can find a cassette player. But I can't find my notes yet, but I did find that. Oh, good deal. <laughs> good. Good. All right, Dr. Jerry, anything else for Dr. Wong? No, thank you for uh, being you and sharing your information because uh, the people are getting slaughtered out there, and you're, you're a breath of fresh air. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we wish you thank uh, the you very best. Much. I'm, 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 I'm hoping to, to do good work and, and, and remain just enough under the radar that I don't have to be dodging bullets. Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll try not to make you too famous on this program. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you picked a good one. <laughs> We're not Alex Jones, but in any case, thank you and, and continue to do the, uh, do the work that you are doing. Uh, we have a lot of people that, that, that love listening to you and, uh, and as does Jerry and I. So thank you, and uh, we'll, we'll get you back again. And uh, I'm going to come down to uh, that little town in Texas, taste some of that water one of these days. Fantastic. Look forward to having you on board. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you, and uh, God bless, and go home to your wife. Have a great night. God bless and be well, gentlemen. Thank you. Well, Jerry, I think we covered a lot, and uh, and Dr. Wong's inimitable style, it was uh, right to the point, and uh, I think our listeners got the idea of where, where we're coming from. Well, I'm sure we, we bl- uh, busted a few bubbles out there, but that's okay. Yeah. That's what progress is all about. That's okay. you got to wake people up and uh, let them know, uh, you know what's going on out there. So... Um, uh, I just want to say something that I said a couple weeks ago. Your diet is not only what you eat, it is what you watch, what you listen to, what you read, the people you hang around with. Be mindful of this. Be mindful that what you put into your body emotionally, spiritually, and physically. So, you know, and don't hang around people that are always down. Don't hang around depressed people. Don't hang around people that are just, you know, whatever, that are dragging you down. Got to hang around people that, are, that actually want to push you up and be, uh, positive influence in your life. So I think that, that, that's something we don't talk enough about, about the uh, spiritual and emotional part of our bodies, but uh, negative emotions uh, turn into a free radicals also. So they do affect your body. Uh, it's also important to remember when you eat your haagen eat it with love and it won't hurt you as much. <laughs> all right. And keep, make sure you keep the lid off so the calories evaporate. That's right. <laughs> All right. So uh, next week, Jerry, uh, maybe we'll be talking about health and wellness and what what is disease, what is health. Uh, and, and let's talk about uh, uh, alcohol, beer, and coffee. Okay. 
All right, because I, you know, let's let's see if we come to a conclusion for for our listeners. We'll do some research for them, and uh, I have already started with uh, uh, alcohol and coffee because they they do live longer than people that don't drink uh, those two beverages. But let's 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 uh, throw in uh, uh, beer also, and uh, let's see what happens. Okay. All right. See you next week. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you. See you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron and Dr. Jerry. The show's name right now is Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. We're thinking of changing it to Doctors in the House based on uh, Fred Cooper's uh, title song for our show. Uh, You can email us at docronradio at gmail.com. docronradio at gmail.com. Our Instagram page is under Dr. Ron. Uh, I try and post almost every day, at least three or four times a week, minimum. Uh, some of that goes to Facebook. Uh, so, you know, there's lots of ways you can interact with us. Uh, we do appreciate it. We have to get used to our new time slot here at 7, and we thank those that uh, followed us over. And uh, we, Dr. Jerry and I, are trying out some new equipment. Uh, with having the 7 o'clock time slot, we now can have hi-fi uh, microphones, so uh, we both have some new gear and we'll see how this sounds when we listen to the archive version of the show. And if you uh, you know want want to review anything that you heard on the show, you can go to Block Talk Radio. They have an archive. You can go to iTunes, Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, uh, Blueberry, uh, iHeart Radio now carries us. So does TuneIn Radio. Uh, they're two uh, podcast stations that are available in, in, in a lot of vehicles also right now. Uh, so you you can. Uh, I can't say the word A-L-E-X-A because I have one next to me, but you can ask her to uh, pull up the show. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get Freddie Cooper here. Uh, the doctor's in the house, and we'll let him play us out until next week. Thank you, and have a great week. again see you next week for more great information 
have a great week. Ciao. Ciao.